All right, guys. I just want to start with a question tonight. How many of you guys have ever done something, maybe it be like a game or an activity where you had no idea what you were actually doing? Like, like, look, everyone in the room clearly knows what is going on, and you are just like, uh, what the heck, right? Like, maybe it's a sport, some sport that you got yourself into where you didn't hear the rules, or it's some, like, class that you walked into, and then halfway through, you're like, this isn't my class. Like, or it's another country where the culture is completely different. Like, have you ever done something where you had no idea why you were doing it, right? So it's like a couple years ago, I got to lead a mission trip to the Czech Republic with Katie Goody, my, my Czech people. Where y'all at? Yeah. So the Czech Republic is an incredible country, guys. It is one of the most beautiful architectural countries I've ever been to. Some of the most just beautiful places. I mean, they've got, they've got over 800 castles, like legitimate castles in this country. We got to go see a couple, but one of them, the crowning jewel of their castles is Prague Castle. So Prague is the capital. Guys, this castle is like, first of all, it's the largest ancient castle in the world. It's built in 900 AD. AD yeah, AD. Um, <laughs> it is the largest castle. So it is so big that there's literally a cathedral, like a full cathedral inside of it. There's multiple gardens. There's entire markets. There's towers. There's like tons of buildings. And so on our last day in the Czech Republic, our missionary Steve, who's Kyle like us, he takes us to Prague Castle. And so we get to see things like the changing of the guard, like shooting their guns and stuff. We get to see like the castle walls, which are like 150 feet tall, like ridiculous. We get to see the cathedral. And as good as all of this stuff was, there was one thing that I remember most. And now remember, we're in another country where they just, they just do things different, right? They have different traditions. And so we're walking through Prague Castle, and Steve tells us, he says, hey, guys, so coming up, there's this old toy factory, right? And in this toy factory, there's this statue outside of it that it's tradition that you touch it. And, and we're like, well, okay, cool, like whatever, you know, and so we're walking, and I'm, like, talking to Steve, and all of a sudden, he's just, like, smirking, and I'm, like, this dude knows something that he's not telling us, and so we get up, we get to the toy factory, and we see, like, 30 or 40 people, like, standing around in a group, and I'm, like, oh, yeah, there's the, there's the statue, and we see, like, the top half of it, and then just, you know, the crowd moves, and it's, like, the beam of light hits it, and they just shift, and then all of us on the team are, like, oh, that's really uncomfortable. And so this statue, you can go look it up. It is a statue of a boy who's about 12 years old. He's completely nude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. Okay, so we see this, right? And we're like, well, that's weird. But then it gets weirder because we're like, well, this statue, it's like a granite, like a dark, you know, gray granite, except for one area. I will let you figure out what area that is. And this area is a, like, shimmering gold. But it gets weirder because all of a sudden we see this woman who's in her 50s, and then she touches the golden part. And we're like, oh, that's what Steve meant. Like, what the heck? I don't want to do this. Like, no. And then he's like, no, you guys, you got to touch it. It's, you got to touch it. It's, it's tradition. And we're like, Steve, no, like. 
why? Why should we do this? He's like, you just got to do it. You got to do it. And we're like, ah, and like it takes some coaxing. And about half of our team, I, I will admit, I was one of them. I touched the golden thing. Um, <laughs> some of our other team members, if you want to figure out who did or didn't, go ask them yourselves. I won't divulge that. Um, but the whole time, we're like, Steve, why? And he like won't tell us why we're doing this, right? And so I tell this ridiculous story because it, it just illustrates this, this reality of this culture we live in, this world we live in, even within the church where so often we do something and we have no clue why we're doing it, right? We go to parties, we go to celebrations, we share things on Facebook, we, like, whatever. And then if, but if someone were to take the time to be like, hey, like, what, what do you actually believe about this? Or why, do, why are you, like, cheering for this? Most of the time we're kind of like, oh, I don't know, I just kind of liked it. Or someone else told me to do it, right? And so, so often we do this. We, we, we do something without actually knowing why we do it or what we're even celebrating or doing, right? And so, within the church, one of the things that we do this the greatest with is baptism. This is something that if you've been around the church, you don't even have to have gone to church. And you're just kind of like, oh, man, like, yeah, that's just something that Christians do. And they, they, they cheer and they clap, right? But so often we don't actually know why we're celebrating, right? Like, what's the big deal with baptism? Why do we celebrate it in the first place? And so, if you already know we're having a baptism service, if you didn't know that, um, you didn't listen, but that's okay. We're having a baptism service tonight. And so, common sense tells us that you can't truly celebrate something if you don't know what you're celebrating. So, before our brothers and sisters get baptized tonight, I just want to take a minute to go into why baptism is worth celebrating. And so if you guys will open your Bible to Luke 15, starting chapter 1. It'll be up on the screen, too. It's kind of small, sorry. And it says this, Now the tax collectors and the sinners, they were gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered out loud, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus responded and told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes back home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Then Jesus said to them, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So what's going on in the situation, it's pretty clear, but I just want to like act it out. So you've got Jesus, and he is like over here, you know, probably sitting because he liked to teach sitting. And he's hanging out, and he's got, like, his tax collectors and his sinners and his, and his ragtag. And he's got his disciples over here, and he's, like, talking and hanging out with them. And then over here, you've got the Pharisees, and they're probably standing kind of, like, nose up. And they're just kind of like, oh, I don't like this guy, right? Because to them, Jesus is this, like, holy man. And they're like, this holy man is hanging out with these bums, this, like, the scum. And for them, they're just like, I mean, who would want to hang out with them, right? Like, that's their attitude, the, the Pharisees, they just, they just don't see a reason why Jesus would celebrate these men, right? He, they just don't get it. And so, if you guys were honest, and you were in that room, where would you be? Because, like, for me, 
I'd be over here, and I'd be standing behind Jesus, and I'd be like, yeah, bud, you get him. You guys take that. Like, yeah, Jesus juke. Like, he got it, the original one, right? Like, I'd be like, get him, Jesus. You tell him. But it's so funny because Jesus doesn't treat them like that. This is how Jesus treats them. He invites them in to see why he's celebrating. And the way he invites them in is he tells three stories, right? We already read the one, the story of the lost sheep. And so in this story, the sheep, it gets lost, it's astray, and the shepherd realizes, okay, I'm missing one. And so the shepherd goes and he finds the sheep, right? And then in the next story, it's the lost coin. And this woman, you know, she dropped her coin and can't find it, but this coin it almost represents like an engagement ring, right? So it's like if I lost my ring, I would do everything to go find it. She's frantically looking, and then she finds it. And then in the final story, it's the prodigal, the lost son, right? He willingly leaves, realizes, he says, Dad, give me my money, and then realizes, oh, my goodness, I've ruined my life. I want to go back, and the Father welcomes him, right? And so Jesus, he tells these three amazing, beautiful stories, but right now, I just want to focus on how he starts all of it off, right? And so the, the Message Bible, I really appreciate. I didn't appreciate it before, but someone opened my eyes. It's not a translation of the Bible, but it's very helpful for bringing the Bible to life. And so I love how it, how it quotes verse 4 and 5. And this is how Jesus starts, right? He says, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one lost one until you found it? And this is my favorite part. He's like, when found, you can be sure that you'd put it on your shoulders and rejoice. Now, did you, guys, did you guys catch what Jesus did there? It's really cool. It's actually really funny. What Jesus is saying to these religious men, these holy men, is this. He's like, being the religious and holy men you are, right, men of God, you, you see it like I see it. I'm so glad you guys see it like I see it. Like, Clearly, you'd go after the one sheep, right? Like, you guys would do that. I know, because you guys think like I think, because, right, we're both men of God. And then, what did the Pharisees do? They were like, oh, crap. Why did we say anything? Like, they're like, we shouldn't have said anything. Like, this dude, because they don't do that, right? Like, they're not, the one, they're not the ones who would go after the one. But it's so cool, because Jesus, he's not trying to be a jerk. He's not trying to just get them riled up. He's trying to help them to see clearly. He wants them to see, right? So for the, tax, or for the, for the Pharisees, their problem was this, the, the, the tax collectors and the sinners. It was their sin. That was their point of contention. Why would you hang out with sinners? But for Jesus, for Jesus, he wants them to see that it's not about being lost. It's about being found. And so it's so cool because to illustrate this, this truth that it's, it's not about being lost, but it's about being found, he tells the three stories, right? And so in each of the stories, the, the item in question gets lost in a different way. So looking at the sheep, how did the sheep get lost, right? Like he's here with all his buddies, and he's grazing, and then he's like, oh, butterfly. Oh, oh, man, this is great. Where'd you, guys? Hello? Like he gets to completely lost, and he's like, he, he gets lost, he knows he's lost, but he doesn't know how he got lost, right? He doesn't realize how he got lost. Or take the coin. The coin, right? Listen, a coin is an inanimate object, right? How, question, how many of you have ever lost your phone or your keys, like right before you have to go somewhere? And you are just like, 
Where are you? Where, where are you? Where are you? And how many times has your phone or your keys ever said, right here? Like, <laughs> it doesn't happen, right? The reason, this coin is, it's, a, it's an object, it's lost, but it doesn't even know that it's lost. It, it doesn't, it can't tell you that it's lost because it doesn't even know it's lost. And then you get to the son, the prodigal son, he he willingly chose to be lost. He said, I don't want this. I don't want to be with you guys. I'm going there. And then he realized he was lost, but he chose to be lost. Right? And and it's cool because these stories, they I, I hope they're relating to you because it's like, oh, whether you're lost and you didn't know how you got lost or you didn't know you were lost or you willingly became lost, that's one of our stories. But it's so cool because that's not the point that Jesus is trying to make, right? Like regardless of how you got lost, the point that, that Jesus is trying to make, he says it clearly. I love it. He, Jesus goes from telling the first story to just a direct statement to the Pharisees. In verse 7, he says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing or more celebrating in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Right, each of the stories, if you go and read the story of the coin, if you go and read the story of the sun, each story ends in a celebration. And the point that Jesus is trying to make is this. He celebrates the one that is found. Jesus celebrates the one that is found. The sheep, just take the sheep for example, right? He was brought back into the fold. So what happens? The, the shepherd, he goes after the sheep, and when he finds the sheep, he puts the sheep on his, so his shoulders. I have trouble saying S's, I'm sorry. Um, but he puts the sheep on his shoulders, right? And the sheep's air becomes the shepherd's air. The sheep's pain becomes the shepherd's pain. The sheep's sin becomes the shepherd's sin. And the, and the shepherd, through this grueling process, takes the sheep back. But what's so cool is that when he gets back, he doesn't, he doesn't take shame and say, look, this guy. He doesn't put the sheep in a timeout. He welcomes the sheep back with celebration, with rejoicing, with affirmation. And Jesus says that because the one sheep is found, because the one coin is found, because the one son is found, that is a worthy enough cause for all of heaven to celebrate, right? One was lost, but it didn't know how it got lost. One was lost, but it didn't even know it was lost. One was lost because it chose to be lost. But to Jesus, it doesn't matter how you got lost. To Jesus, it matters how you're found, that, that you're found. And the simple fact of being found... <laughs> Guys, the Bible says that one who is found, all of heaven goes crazy. All of heaven rejoices. And this, this is the heart of baptism. This is the heart that baptism is a celebration of being found. Jesus' favorite thing to say, right? We say these things like death to life, the old to the new. But Jesus' favorite one to say was lost and found. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost so that they could be found, right? And I love how Romans 6, verse 4, describes baptism in a symbolic way. It says, we are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We are symbolically buried 
into the water. Our sin dies with us, and then we come up into new life that is found in Jesus, right? Baptism, it's the outward expression of an inward change. Baptism, it's a confession to the world that I am Christ. Baptism is declaring I am found. Isn't that so beautiful? I am found. I was lost, but I'm found. Now, guys, I'm, I'm preaching a short message because I want, I want to celebrate what's going to happen here. And so I don't have much more to say, but I want to get to what is our response tonight, right? We, the heart of baptism is I am found. That is a worthy enough celebration for heaven to go crazy. And so our response tonight is simple. It's to celebrate. I know that sounds really simple, but that's what it is. Whether you're getting baptized tonight or whether you're one of the people staying out here in the crowd, we should celebrate. Tonight is a special night, and we ought to be excited about it, right? And when I say celebrate, practically what that means is just get loud, right? Like, we got a, we got a beach ball that's going to be bouncing around. Like, you got people with signs, like, picture, we're going to get your pictures, like, but go crazy. I want you guys to be so loud that the people outside in that snowstorm are going, what the heck is going on in there? And then they stick around, and you leave, and they're like, what was going on in there? And you're like, my brothers and sisters are found. Isn't this, isn't this a big deal? Get excited tonight. It's so cool. This is such a big deal, guys. This is such a big deal. Let's celebrate as much as Jesus says heaven is going to celebrate. Because listen, listen, the Bible says that the angels and that the saints and that God himself will be celebrating. All of heaven will be roaring for our brothers and sisters that get baptized tonight. It is so cool. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I want to be a part of that. Like, I don't want to be one of the Pharisees that can't see a reason to celebrate. I want to join in with heaven and just go crazy and cheer and love and get excited. I, I've been so pumped about tonight. I, baptisms are one of my favorite things because it's just this declaration, I am found. I am found. So Katie Sombrio is going to come up, and what she's going to do is She's going to play a response song. So what's going to happen is we're not going to put any lyrics up on the screen. She's just going to sing a song over you. And during this response time, what I want you guys to do is that I want you to pray. Whether you stay in your seat, you stand up, you kneel. But ask God to give you a spirit of celebration. Ask him to give. If, I mean, some of you guys are antsy right now. And you're like, oh, let's just get to it. Ask him to make that even deeper. Let it, be, let it not just be something you do, but let it be an expression of your heart. Ask for a spirit of celebration. And then what I want to do is I also want to give an invitation to two different groups in this room. The first group is to those of you who are Christians, who are, who are followers of Jesus that have never been baptized before. So the Bible, the Bible is very clear that if you are a Christian, you should get baptized. Now, this doesn't mean... That if you aren't baptized before you die, you're not going to be saved. Like, we see that it, with, the, with the man on the cross who died next to Jesus, right? Jesus said, you will be with me today in, in paradise. But he didn't get baptized. So I'm not saying that. But the Bible is very clear that if you are able to, that you should. And the reason being is that it is a declaration. It's like a marriage. Like, 
There's nothing wrong with getting married in a court. But man, like when marriages are celebrated, you're saying to the world, look, I, Jesus, I'm yours. And I, I want everyone to know I'm yours. Because if you walk with God, then you are his. Why not let the world know that? And, and listen, don't let small excuses like, oh, I don't have a change of clothes. Like, who cares? Like, oh, I'm not ready. You already walk with God. If that is you tonight, ask your small group leader during this time, hey, will you baptize? Don't worry if they don't have clothes. Who cares? This is a big deal. And then the other group, it's for those of you who may be in this room, that if you don't walk with God and you've just been coming because you love the person who brought you and they're your friend, then I encourage you to give your life to Jesus tonight. If you've seen that, that the God of the universe the one who created you celebrates this much and you're like, man, I want to be a part of that. Then I encourage you to give your heart to God and ask him to be Lord of your life and then to get baptized too. Because in the Bible, I see it over and over. There's six examples I see right here, specific examples. E the Ethiopian eunuch, the apostle Paul, Cornelius and his family, Lydia and her household, the Philippian jailer, Crispus and his family, all of them, they got saved, and then they said, what do we do next? And then right then, they got baptized because they said, look, I'm found. I'm found. I want everyone to know. And so if that's you tonight, then I, I same thing. Why not? Who cares if you don't have a change of clothes? If you're the coin that didn't even know you were lost until tonight. If you're the sheep that said, man, I've been lost, but I don't even know how I got here. If you're the son, and the prodigal who walked away and said, man, I want to come back. Man, God will gladly receive you tonight. And all of heaven is going to go crazy. And this room is going to go crazy. I am found. So sweet. I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that I am found, Jesus. Thank you that you found me six years ago as an 18-year-old freshman. And God, I pray that our brothers and sisters, whether they got saved a week ago or six months ago or ten years ago, that tonight that's their declaration. I have been found. Jesus, you are the great treasure finder. You said that our lives are a treasure that you would give all for. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. Let tonight be a celebration like no other. Pray this in your name.